Is there any chance that you and your sales team might be wasting time? If so, then our guest says you're in fine company. Many small to medium-sized businesses are misallocating their valuable sales time. He says salespeople should have more time to sell and better quality leads, and that managers should have visibility into what's really going on. It's Craig Klein, founder and CEO of Sales Nexus on the Manager Message Podcast. Welcome to the Manager Message Podcast, where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow by talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr. Come on in and welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast. I'm Jim Carr. I help professionals and entire organizations to get the most out of their everyday business conversations, the ones that generate by far the most growth opportunities. That means improvements in revenue, customer engagement, employee engagement, and your brand and reputation. I do that through consulting, professional speaking, and advisory work. My programs include guidance for message leadership with groups of professionals, as well as messaging transformation across an organization. On this podcast, we discuss three foundational components for managing your message. One, the message itself. Those are the words, stories, and evidence you want your marketplace to know about. Two, your messengers, the network of people who can help you share that message. And three, the management habits that will shape your culture and turn your improvements into an everyday competitive advantage. My new book is now available from Career Press. It's titled The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indie Books. The audio version is on Apple, Audible, basically anywhere business books are sold. You can also find a sample the introduction, and the first chapter on my website, jimcar.com. We bring all of this together for you because, simply put, it's much easier to grow your business when you are a message manager. And speaking of growth, it's critical to have a way to efficiently keep up with customers and prospects and to have the right conversations at the right times. Our guest today says from his experience, that small and medium-sized businesses have two big challenges that tend to slow them down. First, there are many potentially great customers who don't know the business exists or what it offers. And second, that salespeople are chasing opportunities. Craig Klein is the founder and CEO of Sales Nexus. It's a leading provider of customer relationship management, CRM, plus marketing automation and lead generation solutions. Craig is also the author of Inside Out Selling, a guide to growing and managing sales teams. Now, he cut his selling teeth leading sales teams that offered big multi-year contracts to large energy companies. And it was there that he developed a keen appreciation for what it takes to spend your selling time well. Craig is a member of the Forbes Agency Council, where he is also a contributing writer. He's also a mentor to students in the University of Houston's Wolf Center for Entrepreneurship, the father of three children and an avid sailor, hunter, and skier. So Craig, we have an adventure for you today. It's known as the Manager Message Podcast. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Jim. I'm really happy to be here. Can't wait to talk. Excellent. And you're dealing with a lot of businesses that our message manager listeners are working in and can certainly relate to. I think your sweet spot with Sales Nexus is a lot of the businesses that have 
somewhere between 10 to 100 people in the sales team, plus or minus. Within those businesses, where are you typically seeing salespeople and business leaders spending perhaps too much time? And on the other hand, maybe not enough time. Yeah, that's a great question. And really, that's the the million dollar question for most businesses, right? What I see, even though we've been doing this for, gosh, uh, 16 years now, and the marketplace has evolved tremendously over that time. But in spite of all the technology that's available now to sales teams, most sales organizations are still doing it the old school way, right? So the answer to your question is most salespeople are spending the vast majority of their time just trying to find somebody to talk to, to get somebody on the phone that they could potentially qualify and turn into a prospect. And gosh, if you can do anything to help your salespeople spend more of their time engaged with already qualified and interested leads, that's the biggest game changer for most businesses. Do you tend to find in those established businesses, and we'll talk about the startups, the entrepreneurs as well, but for the established businesses, when you get a look at what they're doing today, is it spreadsheets and lists of people and directories or what what is it that you typically find? Yeah, it's something a lot like what you just said. You know, even even a business that has tried to implement some kind of CRM, what's most common is that they've they've failed to really get it adopted the way they originally wanted to. And so they might be putting like I talked to a, a customer yesterday and he was describing their process and basically what it comes down to is they don't put anything in their CRM until they actually are sending proposals out because that's when it, in their mind, becomes sort of valuable, right? So every every lead they talk to that's not really qualified right now, under contract with a competitor or whatever, they don't even go in the system at all. So they're using spreadsheets. They're, they're calling off a list of, you know, membership directory that they got from the trade association, you know, all kinds of really old school paper-based methods. Mm. And just to get a snapshot of, again, current state, we'll talk about some ways to nurture and actually lead something that happens in maybe a better sequence for everyone. You also work with entrepreneurs. You talk to entrepreneurs a lot. So are you finding something different when it comes to startups and growth businesses, or are they fighting some of the same battles? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I would say yes. The typically a startup these days is for, you know wanting to build automation into the business from the ground up, right? And of course, the challenge is different there. In an established business, you kind of know how things work and you know what the processes are, and figuring out which processes to try and automate and things like that is is really more straightforward. But in a startup the biggest problem is you just don't know what the process really should be. So how do you automate what you don't even understand, right? So it can be tough. The best advice I can give to anybody involved in the sales and marketing part of a startup right now is when you're sitting there thinking that you need to hire some marketing consultant who's going to charge you ten twenty thousand dollars to create beautiful marketing content and 
design beautiful emails and design beautiful ads and things like that for you, I would really question whether that investment's going to make sense. What I think is the best way for a startup to kill two really important birds with one stone is to just conduct some very simple email campaigns because number one, it can be really easy to create the content. It doesn't take a lot of investment. It could be simple text-based emails in a lot of cases work just as well as something highly graphical. And number two, you can test with a you know, a decent sized list. If you can build up a thousand or 2000 target contacts in your, your market and put them on some sort of a campaign, you can start testing messaging and calls to action and all of the important stuff for almost nothing. You know, it's almost free. And then once you've done that and you really are starting to figure out, here's the messages that matter and here's the messages that aren't getting responses. Then you go to the marketing firm and you say, hey, we've already conducted some tests. We've already learned some things about how to engage with this market. Now we want to help. We want your help really making it look professional, you know? Yeah. And Craig, I think you, you're saying something that's particularly important as you're getting started. You talk about the messages that matter and where you're getting traction. And we speak a lot here about having the right kinds of conversations. And so clearly, whether you have a prospect and whether you're an established business or or you're a startup, you're an entrepreneur, your message, the conversation that you would have for someone who is just learning that you exist on the planet is different. Uh, and they're looking for something different than if they're getting to the point of deciding whether to do something themselves or to hire you or to hire you versus hiring somebody else. So we hear this process a lot in the uh, in the marketing and sales world about nurturing. And it sounds very helpful and actually is. If you kind of look at things from the standpoint of the potential buyer and how they go about making decisions and learning about the kinds of things that you offer. So if you could walk us through a little bit, Craig, and what you see just at a, at a high level, the sequence of nurturing, what are some good practices there, what that means, and that what do efficient teams do as how they allocate their time across that process? Big question, but, uh, but from a big picture, the kind of the sequence of how we align our communication to where people are in their own decision-making processes. Yeah, that is a big question and it's a good one. Honestly, I think most businesses, especially a sales-driven business, you know, so we work with a lot of medium-sized businesses that may not have a real big marketing team. They've got a lot of salespeople on the street and they're doing what they do and they've had some success, but they don't have a big marketing staff. And so that concept that you just uh, outlined there of the sort of the buyer's journey, the buying process, that concept itself is kind of foreign to a company like that. But man, if they can start thinking that way, thinking about the cycle that a customer goes through in buying their type of product, that just, it really can change everything. It's great sales training, number one. If you're, you know, most salespeople show up thinking every customer is a potential close today. And if you can train your salespeople to start identifying where the customer is in their buying process and using that data 
to adjust their approach, they can be tremendously more effective, of course. In a lot of business-to-business sales situations, your challenge really is, is education, right? Your customer has a business and hopefully they're doing well, they're making money. But obviously in a business, you're always looking for opportunities to save money, be more efficient, offer more value to your customers, et cetera. So your customer, when you first meet with them, may be sitting there thinking that everything's in good shape with regards to the product or service that you offer. Whatever they're using now is working fine. They may not be aware that they have a problem at all. So your challenge, number one, is just to make them realize that it could be better. It's absolutely a mistake in that situation to jump from, oh, okay, well, now that I've explained to you that things could be better, let me go ahead and tell you what it's going to cost for me to solve that problem. That just never works because people don't buy that way, right? You've just, it's kind of like you went to the doctor and you didn't realize that mole on your leg was precancerous or whatever. And the doctor says, he gives you that diagnosis and he says, here's some options for treatment. And a lot of times you don't want to just say, okay, great, cut it up, cut it off. You want to take a few days to think about it. You want to talk to your wife about it. You want to do a little research on the internet. You might want to get a second opinion. Well, your customers want to do the same exact thing. And so you want to just kind of step them through their buying process. It's typically awareness and then comes education, right? I start, I become aware I have a problem. Now I'm going to start educating myself about that problem and what causes it and what the potential solutions are. And then, only then, after I feel like I've learned enough about that problem and the solutions, then I start to get engaged with potential vendors, right? And that's when I'm going to start reaching out and wanting to schedule demos and presentations and getting brochures and spec sheets and whatever else it is in your business. And then I'm going to go through an evaluation process where I compare different vendors. And then ultimately I start trying to make a decision and a purchase. But it goes in that order almost always. And you can't really make a customer jump over those steps. Now, in some businesses, of course, the more sort of commoditized your business is, the less the first few steps of those that process really matter. But they're there to one extent or another. So anyway, you know, back to your question, Jim, the point really is if I can determine, you know, here's let's imagine I'm in a trade show and there's, you know, everybody in my industry is in that room right now. It's just green fields. If I could look at that trade show floor and see which customers don't even know they have the problem I can solve and which customers have realized it, but they're still kind of in that education phase. And then which customers are actually talking to vendors about uh, solutions. And then finally, which ones are trying to evaluate proposals and things like that to make purchase decisions, right? Well, now I know how to behave on that trade show floor and which ones to say what to. Um, And that's really all we're trying to do with our CRM and and, uh, marketing automation platforms is just segment our overall audience in that way and make sure the right people are getting the right messages. 
in a lot of businesses, you don't want your salespeople cold calling people that don't even know they have a problem, right? That's a lot of times not going to be effective. So you can use marketing automation to do that. And then when they engage in the emails that you send them or they come to your website and they download your PDF or watch your video or whatever, then that's indicating that they're starting to be aware of the problem and they're in that education phase. That's when your opportunity really gets strong to set yourself apart from the competition because everybody else that they talk to is going to treat them like a potential close today and turn them off. So if you offer them helpful information that will guide them through that education phase, they're going to value that and they're going to appreciate your contribution to where they are. So now you're establishing a relationship of trust with the customer and not just pitching everybody the same thing. Absolutely. And and Craig and, and message manager listeners, a few examples here, and then I think we can break this down a bit. So the overall point about understanding where that potential customer is in terms of what they know, what they believe, what they're evaluating. Do they even recognize an issue? I received, Craig, it was uh, a couple of weeks ago. This is actually the second time I had received, it was a postcard, a direct mail piece. It came to our home and it was from what we call a captive insurance agent. So this is someone who is an agent that works for one of the well-known insurance companies. And it was clear that this is something that corporate, I'm holding my fingers up doing the quotes, that corporate had put together and, um, and probably helped subsidize their agents to, to mail this out to a list in, their, in, in some sort of geographic area. On one side of the postcard was this agent's name and uh, an address and contact information. The other side had three words on it. It said, please call me. Now, as the recipient of this, no, I'm not going to call an insurance agent because what's going to happen when I call them? They're going to be all excited because I want to buy some insurance. I don't at that moment have no reason to do anything different. There was a a bland message, basically one that speaks of neediness that is just not going to connect with someone who isn't aware that I should, there's no reason for me to make a change from what I'm doing or any reason for me to reach out and, and initiate contact with someone who I know is going to try to sell me something as the next step. So that's an example, I think, of, of a message which in and of itself is not a good one, but it's certainly not tailored to where people might be in their process. And I was just going to point out, that was a nice example you brought up about if you had a, a mole or, or something on, on your leg and you got it checked out and you found out it was maybe precancerous or a, a skin cancer that was there. And a lot of, be they physicians, dermatologists, plastic surgeons will say, you'll notice in their advertising, public service campaigns and the like, is to let people know when there's something that they might have overlooked on their skin that actually might be cancerous or precancerous. So they'll say uh, it's like a mole, but it changes shape or it gets bigger or it, it looks kind of like this. So in that very case that you talked about, if someone got it checked out, the message from the dermatologist isn't, at least at the early stages, isn't, hey, we we diagnose really well and we can help you have you know largely scar-free removal of things like that and protect your health. But it's more like, here's how to know if it's worth you coming in 
And if you have any any sort of doubt at all, come on in. And if nothing if nothing's wrong, then you'll have peace of mind. But you'll be protecting your health and you'll be protecting your family. So the message itself uh, is different at different points. Craig, it's a way to talk about ongoing communication stages, nurturing campaigns. I thought it might be interesting to go back. You mentioned just a few minutes ago the example of a business you were talking to that they have a CRM, they have a system, but they don't put information in it until the point that they're sending a proposal when they're actually making a specific offer to sell. What would be your advice to them or to someone who's in a a kind of a similar spot of thinking through, okay, so what were the stages that you went through with those prospects up until the point that you sent a proposal? And are there ways that we can systematize, codify, maybe automate part of it and make sure that that part goes efficiently and use the system that's there? So in other words, backing things up a little bit and say, what are the, the things that should happen before we get to the point of making someone an offer? Right. Yeah. Well, I think that the number one thing that anybody in marketing will tell you is, you know, you need to be able to segment your market, right? And target people with messages that are relevant to them, just like you were talking about with the dermatologist, you know, from my point of view, if you're a sales team, if you're totally sales driven organization and you have salespeople out on the street or working the phones all day, every day, meeting new people, man, that's golden information that they're gathering all day, every day. And if you're just putting that into some kind of system that's going to help you organize it, then that's a huge step forward, right? Because you can use it for um, this kind of marketing automation that we're talking about. Now, if you add a wrinkle to that and you start to make it easy for your salespeople to categorize those customers in a couple of meaningful ways, now you're even adding more value. Uh, in other words, I met you know 10 prospects today by knocking on doors. I got business cards. We want to make it really easy for them to put those, you know, the basic contact info into the system by maybe snapping a photo of the business card on their phone or something like that. But then also in every business, there's little details that matter a whole lot about your prospects, right? In the dermatologist business, it would be things like, have you had any prior conditions, skin conditions? In my business, it would be, you know, what CRM are you currently using? And in your business, it would be something different. It's different for every single business, but it's really usually only two or three or four things. So if you make it easy for the salesperson to put those leads into your list and categorize them based on those two or three or four things, those little details that matter in your business, Now you've got something really powerful because, you know, it opens up opportunities to sell more specific products and services to targeted audiences that we know that that product or service is fit for. Right. And of course, if I know that you're currently using Salesforce and you're under contract until the end of 2020, then I shouldn't have a salesperson cold calling you right now. I should be sending you 
a series of messages that emphasize the differences between our platform and our competitor and provide educational content about why you should be doing things that maybe our competitor doesn't make make it easy to do and sort of creating the awareness for the customer that there's a better way so that when their contract comes up, they're ready to consider something else, right? So it's really about making it easy for the salespeople to just collect all the data. They are touching so many customers all day, every day. And if you can just collect that data easily and not make it a pain for them, of course, that's a big issue, right? Then it creates the foundation for all kinds of incredible things. Typically what we see, believe it or not, is an organization that just does what I've just described and puts a very simple lead nurturing campaign in place for all of the cold leads, you know, the ones that the people you meet at the trade show or the networking event that just, you know, they're in the right industry, but it's just not a fit for them right now. There's no proposals sent or presentations done or anything. It's just a completely cold lead. If you just put a simple, simple, simple lead nurturing campaign in place that might send one or two emails a month out to those cold leads, you're going to see a 10 to 20% increase in sales in four to six months. It works every time it's tried. The salespeople need to be trained how to respond to those people that receive those emails and interact with them. But once they know how to do that, then good things happen. Interesting. And we'll, we'll break that down a bit as well in terms of things to have on the scorecard. And by the way, as we were talking here with Craig about the different stages, we're talking about different messages, ways to make sure that you're tracking things along. And I didn't know that this was, Craig, going to be such a great uh, dermatological discussion today. But I do know, in fact, there are uh, more than one dermatologist who subscribe uh, to this podcast. But you can imagine from a dermatological practice, as Craig was talking about, think of some different major ways of segmenting. And in that case, it may be by age, right? Or, or prior condition. And so the, the message that you might send to parents of teenagers who may have acne issues and, and 90 days before senior prom and, uh, and that sort of thing would be a very different and timely message than that for someone who's older and has had a lot of sun exposure over the years and, and is going to have a whole different need and things to take a look at. So you mentioned the fact if you can set up something that's just very basic in terms of collecting data and beginning a stream of relevant communication to cold leads that you can generate a, a good bit of more opportunity over just a few months. Are there other just basic key metrics that business leaders should be tracking for their sales efforts? Certainly it's going to be revenue, but revenue is going to show up after a few other perhaps leading indicators would be showing up. What do you recommend as a, a starting point or a foundational point that should be on the dashboard? Well, um, that's a great question. And unfortunately, I don't have a really simple answer to it because I think that that's the mistake that most sales managers make is they kind of want to try and measure their sales team the same way everybody else measures their sales team. And even within an industry, in let's say insurance or something, where everybody's selling health insurance, your competitors do things a little bit differently than you. 
And your way of doing things is your competitive advantage. You may be all representing the same carriers, right? And it's the way that you handle your clients and engage with them that sets you apart and makes your customers love you. Marketing messages and your sales approach need to reflect that. So the relatively short answer to your question is, I think what sales managers need to measure is the collection of that information that we talked about earlier. In other words, there's two mistakes that salespeople typically make, right? Number one, they're going to misunderstand where the buyer is in their journey, like we talked about earlier. And number two, they're going to, quote unquote, show up and throw up. When they get the opportunity to talk to a prospect, they do way too much talking and not enough asking questions and listening, right? So if you give, if you start asking your salespeople to collect all this information in a CRM and you make it really easy for them to quickly document the key little bits of data that they've gathered from the customer that really ma matter in your business, you're doing two things. You're helping them stay on message. You know, I love your concept of the, the messaging, the marketing message playbook, right? You can give them that playbook and you can say the people that meet these criteria, these are the messages. And the people that meet these other criteria, these are the messages, right? But we have to make it easy for them to know what they know about a customer, right? To, to document that information. If they do that, then they're incentivized now to ask questions and learn about the customer and show empathy and build trust and not just be like every other salesperson that shows up wanting to give them their same old presentation. Yeah, that completely makes sense. And, and what I find in the playbook approach, it's I like to use the term of tailoring a conversation. And, and you think about a tailor, there's a structure and a concept that you work from, but you make some tweaks depending on the needs of, of your client, your customer at the time. So it's not a blank slate. We're not starting from scratch every single time and everyone doing it their own way, nor is it fully scripted. It's not too, uh, too robotic, if you will. And so along those lines, I'm wondering, Craig, if there's some people that when it comes to this area about CRM, automation and campaigns and that sort of thing, do you get any pushback? Are there any misperceptions that automating some, at least some pieces of what you and the team are doing would make us sound too scripted. In other words, it would say, hey, we have our relationships. We want to do things in a very personalized sort of way. Do those things conflict? I know I'm leading the witness here, but uh, I think there's a there's a good answer. But do you, do you hear that perception sometimes? And, and what is the role of of automating some things to be efficient, but also maintaining that personal touch. Right. Yeah. It's a great question. And the, the, the answer is really the same as what we've been talking about here, right? The, the more segmented my list, the more data I gather about my each individual customer, then the more specific my messages can be to what I know about them and what they care about. Right. And the more specific the message is the more valuable it is to the customer and the more they're going to appreciate it. You know, so the thing that's kind of ironic, I guess, is that because most B2B sales organizations are relatively unsophisticated with regards to marketing and marketing technology, 
they kind of have this old school way, way of looking at their customers. But their customers live in the real world, and that means they're experiencing all the crazy technology that assaults you when you're on the internet and on TV and whatever else, right? That's hyper-personalized when you go to Amazon and do a, a search. So they get it. They understand how that works and they understand why it's valuable. And so you want to attempt to do the same thing. You're not on the scale of Amazon. You're going to collect three or four little pieces of data about a customer so that you're sending messages about problems with, uh, like to your analogy earlier, moles and things like that, that happen to older folks to that group of people. And you're sending messages about acne to, you know, your younger patients. Um, that's all. And they, they appreciate that, right? We appreciate it if it feels relevant to us at a particular time. As you say, instead of, you know, we're surrounded by so much noise all the time. If there's a, a message or a signal that comes to us and that's, that's like, oh, okay, this is showing up at the right time. And whether it has my specific name on it, it certainly feels like it's to me. And I think that makes a big difference of being able to do this. And we can't just keep it in our heads, everyone. You know, I, I forget stuff all the time. And so I'm, uh, as we speak, Craig, you know, setting up my own uh, processes and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so I don't have to rely on my brain to make sure I'm getting messages out at the right time. Another point here of how this all, uh, things that connect together, because you also have talked and written about the role of businesses, especially a smaller businesses, website, email campaigns, other ways of ongoing communication uh, with their customers and prospects. Do you have some specific advice or guidelines for how the website can accelerate the selling process, advice for how people should be able to get in contact with you? You've talked about a lot of businesses get the the basic contact us page wrong. So any bits of guidance of how businesses can best connect their systems, their communication efforts, and their website where they're trying to draw people in? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the number one thing is you want to you want your website to just be married entirely to this buying process that we're talking about here, right? That's its purpose right? It's to make it easy for customers to go through their buying journey on your website and end up making a purchase on the website, or at least picking up the phone and calling the phone number that's on your website. Which it should be prominent on your website, right? <laughs> right. Right. But you know, the more specifically, the biggest mistake I see a B2B sales teams making is they got a contact us form on their page, right? They may have some great content on the website, but in terms of, okay, I'm a customer that just became aware of the fact that I'm, I have a problem and I'm trying to learn some things about the problem. Is there anything available for me there? No, it's just contact us, which the way the customer sees that is talk to a salesperson. Well, I'm not ready for that. Right. So you want your your calls to action, as they say, to be specific to those buying phases that we talked about earlier. And you want to give people easy ways to get things that help them 
move through that buying process, but also become build a relationship with your brand, right? Learn that you're an expert in your field, that you can be trusted, all of those things. And so you want to have at least two or three different calls to action on your website of, you know, here's some, if you're just at the education phase, give me your email address and I'm going to just let you download a simple little guide or, or read a blog article or watch a video or something like that. If you're more at the evaluation stage, then maybe here's a case study or a comparison of our offering with our competitors. So you want to have some different options. And then you might also want to have a request for quote page. You know, some in some businesses, that's really, really valuable. You just don't want that to be the only thing. But then the thing that undermines all of that is if somebody fills out that form, whichever form it is on your site, you got to follow up. You've got to call them. You've got to do whatever's appropriate. If they if they downloaded your PDF, maybe calling them is not appropriate. But if they just filled out the contact us form and you have no idea what they want, or they just filled out your request for quote form, what happens is a lot of sales organizations, especially an outside sales organization, those guys are out doing their thing all day. So the lead comes in at 11.30 a.m. and everybody's in their car driving to pick up a customer to take them to lunch. Well, there's nobody to call that lead and they may not get back into the office that day. And so it's not till the next morning that somebody ends up seeing that lead in their email and picks up the phone and calls. Well, guess what? In today's world, that customer didn't just fill out your form. They did a Google search and they saw your page and your competitor's page and they filled out the form on your page and at least one of your competitors, if not more. So it's basically a race. Whoever responds first wins. Yeah. And and that contact form submission might go to info at acmecorporation.com. And hey, who's supposed to... Who's checking the email this week? Right. Uh, uh, <laughs> something like that. So um, what my experience has been, Craig, that people often don't do that. If there's not a um, an email address, a direct email address or a phone number, then they, they simply might not. They might fear that what I send is going to go into the abyss. But if they do, in fact, fill out the contact form, it does need to go to someone specific in your organization that's paying attention to it and knows where to direct it. So that just can't get put on the shelf someplace because as you say, you'll probably lose that race. This has been really good, Craig. And just along those lines, I understand you have something that you can offer our listeners that they can learn from as well. And then we just want to know how people can connect with you, follow you and learn all of this about how to spend their time better. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Great conversation, Jim, and I've really enjoyed it. Anybody can go to salesnexus.com. And in fact, we've created a special page for your listeners. If you just go to salesnexus.com slash MYM for manage your message. So it's salesnexus.com slash MYM. On that page, you will see a guide that we call four steps to market domination. So that's a free download. It's a PDF, relatively short. There's two really important things it's going to do for you. Number one, it, it gives you a simple little worksheet 
to figure out what are those three or four things that my salespeople should be asking every customer and putting into my CRM. If you don't do anything else, do that. It won't take you long. So then also it has a really simple formula for creating emails like we've been talking about, lead nurturing emails that are going to engage your past leads and past customers and get them talking to your salespeople again. So your salespeople are spending more time talking to qualified leads and less time just trying to find somebody to talk to. So that's right there on the website, salesnexus.com slash MYM. You can download the four steps to market domination. Terrific. And we'll have that link as well. Listeners in the show description, as well as some contact information uh, for Craig, where you can follow him and Sales Nexus. Craig Klein, this has been a, a great conversation and uh, really appreciate you taking some time calling us today from Houston, Texas, I believe. So uh, thanks so much for being here. And we will want to track with you and, and maybe have you back sometime soon. Yeah, I had a great time, Jim. Really loved it. And I'd love to be back anytime. My thanks to our guest, Craig Klein, and of course, to you for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast. been very heartened and very grateful for the number of five-star ratings and reviews about the podcast. A lot of people saying nice things that they are regular listeners and they get a lot of practical ideas and encouragement from the podcast. If you haven't yet subscribed, I would encourage you to do that. I know as an active podcast listener, I have my favorites and I subscribe to them. And I really enjoy the fact that each week, which is usually a weekly cycle, that new episodes are coming right in, downloaded to my player, and I don't have to think about it so I can listen at my convenience. So I encourage you to do the same and to tell people if you're getting value from the podcast. This particular episode is brought to you by my new book. It's called The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. It's published by Career Press and also by Brilliance Audio in audiobook form as well. So however you like to buy, consume, and learn from business books, if you're a Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBooks.com, Audible, Apple, all of those are available to you, and I'd encourage you to check that out. You'll find a simple, practical sequence that you can use to bring more power and scale and consistency to the everyday growth conversations in your business, whether you're in B2C or B2B, plus not-for-profits and associations. And by the way, when your company or professional association meets this year, how many of those participants are yearning for some potential ways to grow, easy ways without having to turn their business model upside down? Probably all of them. I offer programs ranging from keynote speeches to workshops to new manager programs, executive level messaging, leadership masterminds. Everything is always tailored to your group and your growth plans. You can learn more about all of that at my website, jimcar.com. It's spelled K-A-R-R-H. It includes my contact info, lots of free resources as well so that you can get value from that and we can talk directly. My email is jim at jimcar.com and my direct mobile number is also on the website. I would look forward to the conversation and feel free to Reach out, connect with me on LinkedIn as well. That's my social platform of choice. You'll also see me uh, on Twitter, occasionally on Facebook. And again, thank you for joining us here in the podcast and contributing your ideas as well. Until next time, message managers, thanks for joining the conversation. 
Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. You'll find show notes and other resources at managermessagepodcast.com and jimcarr.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. And connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often.